0: Good Morning, Blenville Christian Church. I'm so glad to be with you today to share from God's Word. I wish we could all be together in person, of course, but I'm still glad to be able to share in this series, Practices in the Presence of God. And when I hear that phrase, I I think about the fact that we're made to be in God's presence. Uh, When God first made us, there was unbroken fellowship between humanity and God. We were in His presence. And of course, sin has fragmented that fellowship and, and created some sense of distance, but uh, God, of course, has been working out his, his redemptive plan to restore that sense of fellowship and that presence between, uh, with, with humanity. Of course, he made his presence somehow tangibly available in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. But of course, uh, only one person could go into that presence, and only once a year, the high priest on the Day of Atonement. Uh, but God came closer in the incarnation of Jesus. The Word made flesh, and His presence was was with us in kind of a special way through the incarnation. But as Jesus got close to the end of His life, He said, uh, "It's actually better for me for it's better for you for me to go away, and the Father will send His Spirit uh, to be with you, another Comforter to be in your heart." And actually, the nearness we have of God uh, with God because of his his spirit within us is is somehow closer and and even superior in Jesus's words to having him in flesh in in our midst and so he is present with us through His Spirit. But of course, someday there will be a perfection of this restoration. New heavens, new earth, new resurrected bodies, and we will be in His presence. And so now we practice the presence of God. We become mindful of His Spirit with us, and we do our best to, to walk in step with that Spirit. And today we're talking about re-seeing the world, gaining a, a different perspective on our, our current situation. And our key verse is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. I'll read 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 where uh, it helps us get a, a vision of how we can re-see the world. So 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's actually a little irony in this passage that we are to fix our eyes on something that we can't see. We're to look at things that are unseeable. The the future, eternal, enduring realities are supposed to shape our outlook on things. And uh, and of course, the natural function of sight is not just a matter of taking in the the stimuli, the light, but there's actually an issue of interpretation of that stimuli. Maybe. Uh, maybe you remember it's been about five years ago now but there was a digital image floating around social media and and email and and things um, of a dress at a store. Someone took a photo of a dress and it was actually a blue and black dress. The person who took the photo confirmed that. But for some reason, some folks saw it as a blue and black dress and others saw it as a white and gold dress. Very strange phenomenon. Um, And you could even have two people standing right next to each other looking at the same screen and interpreting that image differently. And of course, it was a sort of reminder that, that we aren't all seeing things the same way. That while we might have the same circumstances, the same stimuli, there is this matter of interpretation. And so through the help of God's Spirit, we can resee the world. We can see our circumstances in light of eternity. And this passage acknowledges that, frankly, often our circumstances are difficult. They are, they are challenging. It says, outwardly we are wasting away. Um, some of us faster than others, but the reality is life is tough. Of course, that's easy to think of during a, a pandemic and a time of, of dynamic social and, and political tension, but that's all of life. That's that's just uh, the story of history is, is war and conflict and division and decay and disappointment. Uh, that's often what characterizes different seasons of our own lives individually. And I know uh, enough of you, even if I don't know you well, to know uh, that there's been seasons in your life of, of great difficulty, of disappointment, of loss of loved ones, of setbacks in, in your career, of, of betrayal and, and heartbreak. Um, that's life. But we fix our eyes on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on what is eternal. And he even goes as far as to say that these light and momentary trials are achieving some eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That a future us is going to look back on these difficulties and say, from that point of view, those were light and momentary. I think about a time I was about eight or nine years old, and uh, I was with my mom at kind of a beachside shopping area. We were just walking around on a beautiful summer day and she got me an ice cream cone eight nine years old I mean that's that's the good life uh, uh, some mint chocolate chip ice cream cone piled high on this waffle cone I, I, that's it that's the that's the good life and uh, shortly after I got this ice cream cone I remember I needed to go to the bathroom and and so we're out and about so I go to this public restroom and and it's still that's still a bad idea to me don't bring food into a public restroom you know but um, I'll spare you the the practical, play-by-play. Play. Long story short, my ice cream cone got dropped into a urinal. And I was devastated. This is, an, a, this is a catastrophe. This is an atrocity. There is, there is no way it gets worse than this. And I came out of that bathroom weeping. I went in happy. I came out empty-handed and weeping. And I talked to my mom the other day about this, and she still feels some kind of sadness about this, thinking about little eight- or nine-year-old Mike weeping. But I can look back all these years later and all these ice cream cones later and say, uh, that was kind of funny, actually. I don't know why I, I thought that was an okay idea, that I'd be coordinated enough to manage all this, but um, I can laugh about that moment now. But if we could go back and interview little eight- or nine-year-old Mike, it, it's the end of the world. I mean, my, my world is crushed. This is as bad as it gets. It's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of interpretation. And Paul says, if we have eyes to see what's unseen, we can see that these circumstances are light and momentary in comparison to the good that God has in store for us. And so I very quickly want to describe three ways that I think we can see this playing itself out in the difficult circumstances of our life. That this change in perspective can take form in how we engage Our environment. First of all, I think that if we have eyes to see, the difficult circumstances of life are an opportunity to develop character. Paul says that while outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're actually being renewed day by day. While looking around, it looks as if things are getting worse. Within us, because of the empowerment and guidance of the Spirit of God, we can actually make progress. We can actually be transformed. And if we look throughout Second Corinthians, actually, peppered throughout this book are mentions of ways that pain brings growth. In fact, there's even a situation of, of church discipline of someone who is experiencing isolation because of their sin being restored and how that pain has brought forth comfort and restoration and actually new levels of wholeness for that individual and for the community of faith there in Corinth. And he's saying that pain, I hated causing that pain even in my words that I previously wrote you. Um, But actually, that pain has brought forth growth. There is a sense in which this pressure brings maturity. Of course, James chapter one talks about this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So instead of looking at circumstances as obviously negative, we can say maybe this difficulty is here as an opportunity for growth. I was talking to my oldest son the other day. He just turned 14 yesterday. It's kind of hard to imagine that he's already that old. But of course, he's growing, he's developing, and he's wanting to improve as an athlete. And so I've been helping him lift weights and figure out how to actually get faster and stronger. And, and of course, he's experiencing what anybody who's, who's been in athletics knows that, man, you got to work hard. And this training and development process is, is often not fun. And the other night he, was, he, he said, you know, it's like we put ourselves through something difficult so that next time it's just a little less difficult. And then we do something difficult again so that the next time is just a little less difficult. Now, of course, that can be kind of an overwhelming thought. Everything is is just preparation for the next thing and the next thing. But the reality is, whether we're talking about developing as an athlete, as a musician, improving in your, your craft, in your profession, that difficulty can bring growth. And God wants to do a work in our hearts and minds that is much more important than, pure, than merely avoiding discomfort in this life. He wants to produce godly maturity in each and every one of us. And so while outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed. And so reseeing the world means I'm going to look at my circumstances and say, how is God wanting to change me right now? How is this sickness? How is this difficult relationship? How is this difficult idea? Dealing with ideas we disagree with is, is kind of an uncomfortable experience. How is God wanting me to wrestle with that difficulty as an opportunity for growth? So the, re the world means develop, seeing cir- circumstances as an opportunity to develop maturity. But also, number two, this we can see these challenges as an opportunity to be equipped for ministry. At the very beginning of 2 Corinthians, Paul is just opening his letter and saying, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Even if we just stepped back in chapter 4 a little bit farther, it talks about how we have incredible treasure in jars of clay that we ourselves aren't much, that our bodies fail us, our minds fail us, our, uh, uh, we we have to rest, we have uh, uh, inadequacies. We ourselves are nothing much impressive, a jar of clay, but we possess within us a message of hope, a message of truth, a message of restoration and salvation that is the hope of the whole world. And sometimes these difficulties are a way that God can specifically prepare us to serve others. I can think of all kinds of examples of this, but one of the more poignant moments that comes to my mind was a time that uh, I was I was sharing at a a youth conference, and and I was doing a, a workshop and actually sharing some of the same kinds of ideas from the book of James, and uh, even just sharing in my own life how my experience of growing up without a father has been something that's enabled me to help others uh, to learn about the Father heart of God, something that took a long time for me to understand. But because of my own experiences of of that missing piece of my life, out of that discomfort, comes a comfort that God's given me that I can extend to others. So I was just sharing about that. And then at the end of that little portion, one of the youth sponsors spoke up, a lady in the crowd and said, um, you know, I, I can, I just want to amen that because uh, when I was a kid, one of my parents committed suicide. It was devastating. Um, and, and of course, if I could go back, I would want that moment to not happen. But it's been amazing to see how God has used that experience in my life to be a help to others, to help them not lose their faith in God and not think that there's there's no good in the world, but to to hang in there and and so i'm I'm grateful for how God has been able to use me in that way. and in fact, right after she shared that, one of these students who had been there for the last couple of days, just quietly, pleasantly, said, actually, this past year, one of my parents killed themselves. And to then see them go to the side and, and, and visit and hug and weep and pray together was a beautiful moment. It doesn't take anything away from the horror of that experience in either of their lives. But to see this passage play out, it's a new perspective. We're reseeing this tragedy as an opportunity for extending the grace and love of God To others, And so rather than looking at difficult circumstances as only negative, we can say, God, how are you equipping me that maybe I could help someone else through this discomfort? Maybe there's something you're wanting to mold and shape in my heart that will enable me to be of help to somebody else someday. So we see our circumstances as an opportunity to develop character. We see it as an opportunity to equip us for ministry. But ultimately, this is fuel to anticipate our final reward. And this doesn't mean we aren't in any way engaged deeply in our current situation, but that we are ultimately saying, there is a good to come that I look forward to. Outwardly, we're wasting away, but for us, there is an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, this is a a sort of a shocking teaching in scripture. By all means, we are given the free gift of God's grace. There's nothing we do to earn it. We, by ourselves, could not achieve for ourselves salvation. We needed His free gift of grace. That being said, there are numerous times in Scripture where the encouragement to remain faithful is given in the context of a reminder that you have a reward coming to you, that faithfulness will be worth it for you. The hard work, the endurance, the effort that it takes to stay faithful to God in the midst of difficult challenges is going to be worth it. And Jesus even says in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven worth it. Actually, in the midst of that kind of onslaught, you can say, thank you. Thank you, God, for knowing that every difficult situation I'm in, um, in the name of faithfulness to you, um, that you see it, that it matters to you. And this is some kind of fuel for our endurance. Paul himself, when he uh, was at the end of his life, not in Second Corinthians, but in Second Timothy, he writes to t- young Timothy about hanging in there and staying faithful. And he says in Second Timothy four six through eight, "For I'm being poured out like a drink offering. My the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will award me on that day. And not only me." But to all who have longed for his appearing, a crown of righteousness, an acknowledgement that your endurance was worth it. And even Hebrews chapter 12, verses uh, two and three, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus looked ahead. He said, I'm going through a very difficult thing. He even told his disciples uh, that that he was overcome with grief to the point of death. Uh, Yet he endured that knowing that there was in store for him a reunion with his father, a resurrection power, a reward for his faithfulness. And so therefore, if, if he could look forward to that and endure the difficulty, the author of Hebrews says, so can you, that you have something to look forward to. Again, that doesn't take anything away from the severity of the challenge you might be in right now. And it doesn't mean we just sort of wait and wonder um, about when it'll all happen. It means we're engaged in our present circumstances, difficult and joyful with a sense of perspective that the, the, the good that is to come makes it all worth it. Every tear will be wiped away. We will have new resurrection bodies. There will be a perfect reunion with God. And in the meantime, we wait and we anticipate, and that per- perspective can fuel Our engagement and faithfulness in our present circumstances. There is a reward, Paul says, that far outweighs them all. Now, don't hear me for a moment minimizing the challenges that you have faced or maybe are facing. The heartache, the the financial challenges, the physical sickness, all of it is real. But a future you, I can tell you this from the authority of the Word of God, not myself, the future you who will be resurrected and restored to perfect fellowship with, with God, will look back on that moment and say, by contrast, it is light and momentary. That is his word to us. So resee these circumstances with a sense of hope and optimism. And, uh, and thinking back to that ice cream cone debacle, uh, my mom, of course, compassionate for me in that moment, went and bought me another ice cream cone. And I suppose in, in some way, that second ice cream cone was, was, was better than the first. There was a certain sweetness to it, figuratively speaking, that overwhelmed the loss of, of, of the first ice cream cone. And perhaps part of why to this day I can laugh about that moment is that my mom who loved me made things whole, made things renewed. And our Father in heaven who loves us sees every moment, sees every detail. He, he knows every thought and, and heartache that we have experienced. And he says, I see that. I care. You hang in there because the good that is to come for you will overwhelm and engulf all of the past pain. You will come to a place where you see this as light and momentary. Now, if you're out there and you are not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, this is some of the hope that I want to extend to you. That through faith in Jesus, this restoration is possible. And now the difficult things of your life can have a profound meaning that you never imagined. That God wants to transform your character. He wants to equip you. For further service, he wants to take the brokenness of your past and make it whole so you can be part of his mission in this world. And he wants to usher you into that eternal fellowship with himself. And that is what we have in Christ. And that's the message I want to offer to you today. And so if you're watching and you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, today can be the day that you take that step and say, I believe, I want this new life in Christ. And you can talk with someone from the church, you can talk with any believer about what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And for all of us who are believers, I invite you to re-see the world, change that perspective, and say, in light of eternity, I will live in my present circumstances faithfully, with endurance, trusting that the good God has in mind for me, and for His kingdom, and for His glory, far outweigh the difficulty i'm now in it has meaning it has purpose and so i pray that that is the comf- is is a word of comfort and empowerment for you today as you stay faithful to the lord